the uh, last and final Passover. I was asked to take this assignment. Well, at least I have a subject matter to start on, and I read through a lot of the accounts. And, and as I read through communion passages, there's two things that stood out to me, and uh, I think both of them we heard Friday night at council. Uh, one was remembrance, remembering the things, many things that Jesus suffered willingly to redeem us back to his Father. And number two, the thought of unity. Uh, there was a lot expressed on relationships. And this is another very important communion service. And later, as we hear the foot washing ceremony, uh, this is something that you can't do as an individual. But it is with humility and love that we we do this with brothers and sisters that are part of our life. And it's not just a casual relationship, a friendship, but it's someone that we do life with, church, compassion, love, accountability, advice. And I thought that was going to be my subject this morning. But as I kept reading through the account and I kept questioning where am I, a little bit what Dwight expressed, we've done this, I've done this many times, um, participate in a communion service, and do I fully know and grasp the meaning of the communion service and how we are told to observe it until he comes back? And I think I, you know, there maybe was a lot of communions that maybe I didn't put a lot of thought into it. Um, I knew why I was doing it. Um, but as far as a to my personal feelings on that on that event. <clears throat> and as I kept reading through the different passages, uh, I was impressed with the fact that the Passover celebration seemed to be a very important part of this this service. I think each of the gospels, I'm not sure about John, refer to the, the Passover was mentioned in each in each gospel as they uh, as Jesus prepared the disciples to go prepare the Passover, and one of them says they asked him where they should go, and that's kind of where my where my thoughts went this morning. Um, the things that took place in that first Passover. And the exact timing of this event and the event we're celebrating today, what can we get from that in the 21st century? And I thought I had maybe a little too much here this morning, but Dwight helped me out. He read my passage this morning and made some of the same comments. And I, it's confirmation. I don't know how many Communion services were were uh, preached here out of the Old Testament, but that's what I have here this morning. 
So my question this morning is, is there anything that happened from creation until now that was just a random happening? And is there anything that God did from creation until now that was just a random act? As we go through this Old Testament uh, passage this morning, my goal is to bring it back to our service today, uh, even though it, it may not surround exactly what uh, Christ did, his suffering, but it was a, for me it was kind of a, as it being my first message, I felt the need to go back to the foundation of this, this communion and this Passover. And as we go through this, I think I think you'll realize with me that the Passover never ended. The name changed, but we still we still observe the same observation that they did as a Passover with but it's with Jesus as that final lamb instead of a sheep or a goat. <clears throat> First of all, I'll read a few verses. Uh, Luke 22, 1 and 2. Now the feast of the unleavened, for they feared the people. <clears throat> and we'll jump down to verse 7 and read through 15. John saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we? There shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Following, follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the good men of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest? And there make ready. And they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So the thoughts I wanted to pick out of this before we go to Exodus was the the fact that um, he sent Peter and John to go prepare the Passover that we may eat. He was very... Um, much interested in keeping this Passover before he suffered with his disciples, even though, even though this was going to be a, the last one that he would partake of and the last one that would be done, that would need to be done in the way it was before he wanted to share it with them. And then in Mark 14, 12, on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where would thou that we go and prepare that thou May I see the Passover? <clears throat> when the Passover feast was observed, it was normally done with the with households, and the father or an older member of the household was the one in charge in the order of the service. And the disciples accepted the fact that Jesus was going to lead out in the service, and they asked him, "Where wilt thou? Where wilt thou that we make uh, get ready the Passover that thou mayest?" Uh, eat thereof and we'll get into this more later as we we go through Exodus um, which you can turn to Exodus 12 I read the first two verses that Dwight didn't read. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And 
This is also an important verse, verse 2, and you'll uh, understand it later, but this was the beginning of the Jewish religious calendar in their, in what they would call their, uh, I can't think of the word, for their regular calendar, this would have been the seventh month. But at this, at this time, Jesus took their calendar and started a new year when they were leaving Egypt here. And, uh, this was to be the first month of the year to them. <clears throat> and I don't think we'll read over some of the other verses and they were read to us. And as, as I go through these verses, you'll see so many parallels between the, the Passover, the death of a lamb, and the Jesus death. And so many things that can apply to us, even though this is the second book of the Bible in Exodus, there are so many similarities that, that we can apply to the 21st century, even though we're uh, many years away from this, this Passover. <clears throat> the first thing I want to look at is bondage. You know, we know, we know the entire story that the Israelites, right now they were in, in bondage. You know, God brought them out of Egypt to sustain them through the famine. But there arose other pharaohs that began to rule and they didn't know Joseph. And they went from living in a land of ease and plenty and it became a life of slavery and bondage. And I think and make us slaves to its ways. We can find ourselves in bondage to things. And if you, if you think about the children, children of Israel and the possession they were in, a lot of people, but it didn't appear like they would have had the, the strength they would have needed the, for war that they could have freed themselves. So they were in bondage that they were not able to get themselves out of an escape plan but there was one thing with that it was the only way it wasn't just for those that chose to participate in or the result was death unless they accepted God's way and followed the detailed instructions that he laid out it wasn't going to end well and again how is it for us today? We have a choice between life and death. You know, God cared about His people the same then as He does now. He made a way of escape for them as He does for us now. Steps they have to take for this to be uh, to be able to receive life, Lamb without spot and this was to be a perfect lamb this was the same day that Jesus was selected you know he was lifted up on the donkey and there was led through the crowd of people and still everyone individually still needs to choose this perfect lamb Verse 4, 
gives instructions per household. And to me, it gives a picture of unity. And the leader of the household is having the responsibility for his family to supply the needs of everyone within that household so later that night they would be ready to leave at a moment's notice and to be aware of why and what was going to happen. And if God gave these detailed instructions on how to carry out this new Passover meal that they were preparing for, that if they don't get it right, there would be death. Do you think their planning was haphazard and unmotivated? I think it's safe to say that the head of each home was very concerned that the needs of his family were going to be supplied that night. That the lamb that he selected would suffice for food, for their needs. And then I I can only picture that each one went to his neighbor to see if they had any needs, if they were able to handle a lamb by themselves or if they could do this together. God gave specific details that if a, if a lamb was too much for one family, they could come together and share that lamb. <clears throat> and I think the concern would have been that everyone would have been spared the pains of death in, in their families. Not just an individual family, but everyone in the community. <clears throat> Am I as a father concerned about my family first and their needs and then those around me that they have what they need to have life? Verse 6. On the 14th day, the same month, they were to kill the lamb and everyone the same time, the same day. Another picture of God with order and unity that He requires of His children. And Christ died on... And there's even commentaries that would say it was the same hour of the day that they were for their uh, Passover meal. The only difference is that Christ only needed to die one time. And that was sufficient for everyone that came after that initial pass or after the, the death of Christ, the last Passover. And we still hold that and remember this Passover in the final lamb. That is what we're doing today. And when they killed the lamb, they were to catch the blood in the bowl. And this blood was for the salvation of the oldest male child in each home, the firstborn. And they were to paint the doorposts and the lintels above the door, as Dwight have already mentioned. Now, just as he shared, put yourself in the shoes of each of the family members. If you were the father and you went to hear what that meeting with Moses and Aaron and you heard 
that there's only one that the one way that the death angel would pass over your house without striking the eldest child. What if you were the mother? What if you were a younger sibling? How important do you think this entire process would have been for each of the family members? Or was it only the father that casually carried out this plan that Moses and Aaron laid out for them to do? You know, when he came home to his family after that meeting, um, with those requirements, he'd go home to his family, and how do you think they responded? You know, just a grunt from behind a book, a slight glance up from playing a game. Maybe his wife in the kitchen asking, you know, what do you think about all this? But remember, these people had seen nine other plagues, the first half affecting them and the Egyptians, the last few didn't, but they seen it affect the Egyptians. They didn't have a doubt in their mind that what God said was really going to happen. They had seen it happen nine times already. And Christ is also going to return someday. Do we have any doubt in our mind that this will happen? I personally think it was a united effort this Passover making sure they didn't waste any blood what if they didn't have enough how much was enough so the death angel would definitely see it I see the entire family congregated on the porch of the door that they were going to be eating the lamb it had to be the door that they were inside of eating that lamb prepared for for that Passover. It wasn't just any door. But lots of chatter, lots of advice where it may be too thin. And the oldest child in the family standing off the side in deep thought. Is it really enough? What if? What if? Dad, are you sure that's enough? What about the father? Was he also the oldest in the family? The grandfather. We had a little discussion last night. I brought this up to our family and our conclusion was that it was every firstborn. I don't know if anybody would have anything to add to that. But not just firstborn in that household, but the firstborn of each family and I I thought through our congregation this morning I came up with three that have three generations here a firstborn they're Clean and Roderick Jackson Warren and Delvin and Sean and Dwight and Justin and Brendel and I don't know if any of your fathers are a firstborn or not Um, Clean, your dad isn't Dwight's is no So if this was the case, there was more, there could have been, if it was a household, what we would picture as an extended family, there could have been three, four that were firstborns in that home. 
I think it was very thorough. And I, I think it's good for us to, to think about that as fathers and those that we are responsible for and to carry out what God has taught us, what we know is truth, and to be that leader in the home. Verse 8, they were also told to use bread. It was an unleavened bread because they would not have time to wait on the bread to rise with using yeast and leaven was also a type of sin so same as we do this morning they never required bread with it and then verse 9 it gives the details on how they were to uh, roast this lamb they were to put two uh Spits, they called it, through it, which would be like a rod to hang it over a fire. One lengthwise, one transversely, crossing each other near the four, four legs, so that the animal was in a manner crucified. Not a bone of it might be broken. A circumstance strongly representing the suffering of our Lord Jesus, the Passover slain for us. And I think you're following where we're going here this morning. Over and over and over we see what God laid out for the Israelites at this first Passover was was almost a, a duplicate of what Jesus went through to complete this for the final Passover. I'm going to continue reading. I want to read John 19, 36 and 37. For these things were done that the scripture might be fulfilled. A bone in him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. And I'm going to continue reading in Exodus 12, 21 to 28. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel in the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out at the door of his house until morning for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians when he has seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you and you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever <clears throat> and it shall be and it shall come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you according to he hath promised you shall keep this service and it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you what mean ye by this service that ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our, our houses and the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So did they. <coughs> Verse 23, it tells us that the Lord himself will pass through, smite the Egyptians. 
And it says, The Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. A picture of uh, Jesus interceding for those who have been covered by his blood. Jesus had a keen interest in the lives of each one of us as he did with them. Verse 24, keep this ordinance forever. Does that mean just till Jesus comes? No, forever. Well, it might change a little bit, but the meaning will never change. And when your children ask you what all this is about, tell them everything in detail. And we've just read those verses. For thy sons forever. <clears throat> I read different thoughts and commentaries on the way they observed this Passover in the years that followed this first one. And one thought was suggested that they did it in a way that would arouse the curiosity of the children that they asked questions. And one of the ways it said they did that was after they ate the Passover meal, they took all the all the dishes off the table and then the head of the household would pass the cup and everybody would drink. And this would would uh, ignite questions from the young ones that were watching. This was different than just sitting down and eating a meal together. And it gave a perfect opportunity to talk to these children about this great deliverance. <clears throat> Verse 27 stood out to me. After they heard these things, they bowed their heads and worshipped. They felt an overwhelming sense of worthlessness that they didn't deserve this. And they realized that within themselves they had no power to stop the death, stop death from entering into their house except through the gift that God provided. And that was through obedience and doing what he told them to do. <clears throat> I'm going to end with the, with this chapter here on the last two verses, 50 and 51. Thus did all the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. And it came to pass the selfsame day, that the Lord did bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. And what I would gather from this, when he uses the word all, it means that every one of the Israelite people left Egypt that day, leaving none behind, and none experienced death because of disobedience. They all were saved. <clears throat> And I don't know if the communion message needs a title, but this morning I just called it uh, New Beginnings. You know, this was a this was the start of a of a new feast that God had uh, told them to observe. It was a new beginning as they left Egypt. It was uh, it was a new beginning for them. They were leaving this bondage. And we're stepping into uh, a new life. They were leaving what they've had for the last 400 years. 
or so. <clears throat> and as I as I thought of these verses and back to the Gospels on on uh, Luke there, what we read and a lot of the others are similar. I was thinking, what better way for God to complete His plan than to do it on the exact calendar day that the first Passover took place? To the detail that you could basically take and apply them to the crucifixion of Jesus. On the tenth day, Jesus was chosen for the perfect Lamb for the whole world. On the fourteenth day, He was crucified and His blood flowed from Him. It was for the saving of all those who accepted that blood and to paint it on their hearts and not go outside of that door of safety. As long as it's, if you're inside that door that has the blood around the linen of the doorpost, you will be safe. But if you step outside of that, the, uh, the destroyer, the death angel would be able to have power over you if God allows. And Friday night, one of you made a comment on this service being remembering what Jesus did for for us, but that the power really stood in the in the resurrection. And if we continue to look at the line as this the timeline as this Passover unfolded, we can continue to see the perfect order that God works out His plan. So that it is very clear to those who will pass it on to the next generation that there is no confusion in, in God's ways. The things He laid out were done in a way that, that there's no confusion. The resurrection took place the same day that the Israelites passed through the Red Sea and walked out into the new land and the Egyptians were defeated. And the children of Israel found themselves in a new beginning. Is this your experience? Have you experienced new beginnings? And if this isn't enough to convince you that God pays close attention to details, like I said before, and that He does, He does everything in a way that it doesn't confuse, those that pass it along. I'm going to give you a, a few more illustrations for, for free, a little off the side of our service this morning. As I, as I studied and tried to verify some of these dates, I had heard some of these before, but I wanted to kind of follow through with it. I found quite a few more that end up following in exact dates with what we just read this morning. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar, so I have to take the word of some others that understand the different uh, calendars that were used at the time and how they translate into the Hebrew calendar. But I found it extremely interesting, and it causes worship. <clears throat> The uh, the new month that God 
told the Israelites there would have been originally the month Abib, which was the seventh month of their calendar. And he made that the new month, the first month of their new calendar, which was the month Nisan, which would have happened approximately in our March, is, is their thought. On the 17th day of uh, Nisan, Noah's Ark safely rested on Mount Ararat. In Genesis 8.4, the ark rested on the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountain of Ararat. Again, we're using the civil calendar, where the seventh month on the new calendar became the first month of, of their new uh, religious calendar. And the comment that was brought out with these thoughts was according to the ancient calendar the ark sorry that's not what I want to read here but I'm going to read read this first according to the ancient calendar the ark rested on the mountain on precisely the same day that Jesus was resurrected from the tomb thousands and thousands of years before the resurrection God engineered history to point toward the pinnacle event of salvation just as the ancient judgment ended on the day that the ark touched the ground so the judgment of the restored world ended on the day of the year when the tomb could not hold him. A new beginning. And a thought that went with this is the odds of two of these events both happening accidentally on the same day of the Hebrew year are 1 in 129,000. And as I keep reading... On more events, the odds of these events all happening coincidentally on the same day of the Hebrew year are 1 in 783,864,876,096,000,000. got that? The seventeenth day of Nisan, the Hebrews entered Egypt. Exodus 12, 41, 42, and it came to pass in the end of the 430 year, even the selfsame day it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. And it is a night to be observed unto the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel and their generation. A new beginning. So that was their first day in Egypt when God brought them there to sustain them. And then, what we did read already, the 17th day of Nisan, Moses led the Israelites through the parting of the Red Sea. And then, to our Sunday school quarter, 17th day of Nisan, Israel entered and ate the first fruits of the promised land. On the same day, 40 years later, Joshua would meet the commander of the army of the Lord, which begins day one of the seven-day battle of Jericho, according to Joshua, type and figure of the Passover. And on the 16th of Nisan, the last day God rained manna, and on the 17th, Israel ate the first fruits of the promised land, another new beginning.
the 17th day of Nisa and the cleansing of the temple by Hezekiah, 800, year, 800 years after entering the promised land, Second Chronicles 29, 1-28. to <clears throat> And Hezekiah had went in when he became king, commenced a great religious reform, and they went in and to clean the, to clean the temple. And they began on Second Chronicles 29:17, and they began on the first day of the first month to sanctify, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the porch of the Lord, so they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and on the sixteenth day of the first month they made an end. And then verse 20, then Hezekiah, this would have been on the seventeenth, of Nisim, Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. Another new beginning. In the 17th day of Nisan, Queen Esther saved the Jews from elimination. Haman had uh, made it, convinced the king to make the decree to destroy all the Jews. And on the 13th day, she proclaimed a three-day fast, which lasted the 14th, 15th, and 16th, and she went into the king on the 16th. And on the 17th day, the tables were turned on the enemy and Haman instead of the Jews were destroyed. And his life was taken. Another new beginning where the Jews were saved by the mighty power of God. And the last, most important, Seventeenth day was the resurrection of our Messiah and our Savior. And a new beginning. I believe I do have too many notes. <clears throat> Try to bring this to a close. You know, sometimes you may wonder about the Old Testament and what it really benefits us. Why do we need it? But if you go to the Gospels and read through these these verses and the chapters that Je- where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, what would it mean if you wouldn't have this Passover Supper to go back to to see exactly what was happening when He in- instituted the New Covenant And how would have the disciples been able to write what they did right after this happening if they wouldn't have understood the initial Passover and have a, having observed that in their years and then Jesus seeing Jesus' crucifixion and after they received the Holy Spirit being able to go back and it all made perfect sense. And Jesus never never condemned this Passover. If we go back to Luke, Luke 22. In verse 15, he expressed a deep desire to eat that Passover with them. He did not come to destroy, but to complete a perfect sacrifice. 
in verse 16, he uh, indicated that he was about to leave this world and he would not eat the Passover again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God, referring to the the final lamb, the sheep that was needed, and then him being crucified through his death, it would fulfill this Passover in the kingdom of God after he goes back to back to heaven and it would start this new Passover that we observe here this morning. <clears throat> and he also said that with the with the vine that he would not partake of that again until this new Passover was fulfilled. Verse 19 and 20 are probably the, uh, let me to those. I didn't read them because of the time here. It's probably the first verses that were different from the original Passover. And he took bread and gave thanks and gave it and break it and gave it unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Everything else to this point was probably done the way they have kept the Passover up until this time. But now he is telling his disciples and those that would be writing these books of the Bible that we have, that it will now be His blood and His body that we will be remembering at this new Passover or communion that we observe. The Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified as our Lord Jesus was a true sacrifice prefigured by the Paschal Lamb. It was proper that He, the great antitype, would die at the Passover when the Lamb that typified Him was slain. Paul, a devout Jew, was also able to look back at the first Passover and then at the last one and see the words that the apostles wrote about being with Jesus when he when he gave these new uh, new instructions, and he was able to see it. First Corinthians five seven. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be new, may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. It is through the blood of Christ, typified the blood of the Paschal Lamb, that God pardons men and saves them from that destruction which as sinners they deserve. So what about us today? You know, 2,000 years from this event, like I said, I didn't go into many details on Christ's suffering, His crucifixion, I didn't talk much about the actual communion service. What can we take home? When you take part in a service following this, think about the perfect plan that God laid out from Genesis to the Gospels and think about new beginnings. As long as the world stands, there will be new beginnings. 
Two weeks ago, we had a baptismal service that involved new beginnings. Think about people in your life that have found a new beginning through this blood. Think about His blood on our heart's door that will result in life. And as we take part in the service together, think on these things and let us all respond together as the people did in Exodus.